This is the Detroit is Different Podcast Network, the culture of an American classic city. Subscribe on Apple iTunes or Google Play to the Piper Carter Podcast to hear the stories and thoughts of Piper Carter. Follow Piper Carter on Instagram at Piper Carter. Welcome back to the Piper Carter Podcast. You're listening to Piper Carter. And I am in the studio with my co-host, Brittany. And that was the music of the lovely Katori, <laughs> uh, productionist, producer. Thank you. Thank you. And we have our special guest here, Pilar Cote. Hello. <laughs> so um, normally we, you know, just bounce around and just hear about everyone's week so i'm gonna start with you deja how was your week and tell us about that lovely music that we just heard my week has been pretty good i've been pretty inspired like god will put like a beat or a sample in my head rather and then i'll be thinking about it while i'm at work and then when i get off work all i can think about is what i was planning on doing to that sample and then i get off and i execute it and it's better than i thought it would be so i'm kind of been like impressing myself and Living in a a space of gratitude just to continue like those those major downloads because I have not missed with every beat that I've made. I've <laughs> I've loved it, which is a great feeling finally. So I've just been enjoying that the past week. That's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. shouts out to that. That's yeah, fire. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Yeah. What about you, Brittany? Um, nothing much. Just um at the village there was a karate tournament. It was the first one in two years due to COVID. So that was fine. The which village? Uh, Akiwan village. Right. You just gotta let people so, know. Everyone me. listening might not know. That's true. I'm trying to fix myself, but yeah, it was really really cool. So the kids did a good job, and um, it was the first time kind of doing pizza concession based style. So that was dope. It was fun. Oh, like tell as us they about come that. up, they would yeah, they would get slices of pizza, and then they were ordering whole pies. So that was like so dope. Yeah, that was like. Fast pace, yeah, it was cool. Did you have a lot of vegan sales that day? I yeah, you know, I would say when we started off, the like the sales were like pff, sixty forty regular. I don't even want to say you. regular sixty forty uh, meat, and now it's like seventy thirty. Like mm-hmm. I'm so proud of the vegan base, like growing. So. Brittany's so vegan dope. supreme. I'm sorry, is food Detroit's vegan supreme pizza? Mm-hmm. Is that deal, y'all? Thanks. Please go Thanks. get some. Please go get some oh, pizza. Oh my god, we hiring a switcher. Brittany's not paid on Sundays. <laughs> No, I just wanted to give my girl some quick props. Like, that Thank pizza you, is the ish. Like, thanks. I, it's getting there. She did me a huge favor one day and delivered it to my last job. All my coworkers were hating. They were all jealous. Where'd you get that? What is that? They were jealous because you ordered pizza? The pizza. Because you got a pizza. The oh, pizza. God. The oh pizza. They smelled it when it was sitting up front when I had it in the back break room. Oh I had gosh. to put it I'm on top me. of the of the counter, like oh the God. cabinets, on top of the sink, like the high Oh, is it because they smelled it? Yeah, I didn't oh, want okay, anybody okay. touching my beautiful pizza. No, I'm just trying to figure out why people would be jealous of getting pizza delivery. It but smelled better than any pizza has ever oh smelled. Okay, okay, that that makes sense. It was amazing. Well, thank you. It was a great weekend. It was Pipe, wonderful. How was your weekend? 
<laughs> Man, he just cut off. <laughs> Were you done, I'm Deja? Yeah, I'm, I'm, you're done. You're I'm done. Shy. Pizza land, I'm pizza shy. land. It's food land. Thank Trust you, me, Deja. I get it. Thanks it's for, just so good, y'all. Pizza please, is love, though. Please, it pizza is. is love. You think mm-hmm. pizza's love? I think pizza's mm-hmm. love too. Tomatoes mm-hmm. the best. Oh, love. It is. Look I you. feel. No, she's a great pizza pizzaist. Yeah, yeah. There. pizza pizza pipe how was your weekend um pretty good pretty low-key i've been taking all these business classes mm-hmm. and um i'm taking this i'm taking like four business classes i'm in this afro future tech accelerator wow i'm in um this uh biz this other business class um that's for uh, people of color to help us, you know, learn how to be a business properly and not just hustlers. <laughs> and I'm in, um, and I'm working on a business plan for existing for my existing businesses because I've never um, done a proper business plan for my existing businesses. And um, and I'm also in this uh, crypto and NFT class. Uh, trying to play catch up so I can enter the space properly. So that's what I've been doing. A lot of reading, a lot of studying, a lot of watching videos. Um, yeah, that's the what I'm into. Is now. Sounds so good. Yeah. You're still early. You're still so early. I love it. Uh, and speaking of which. Yeah. So let's welcome. Oh, and, and then shouts out to uh, Always First Class Media. Yeah. Um, he says education is key. And um, thanks for joining us again. We appreciate you. That's what's up. Yeah, um, let people know. Like, share, subscribe, and uh, tell people to hop on because we're live right now. Yeah, so I'm going to toss it over to you, Pilar. Our, uh, you know, so I got to tell you about Pilar really quickly. I won't be too, I won't belabor you. Uh, Pilar is an Aquarius, (laughs) like myself. Yes. (laughs) Um, Pilar is a DJ. Um, Also... Um, a, a visual artist and also over the last I'll say two years has been uh, studying last year and now leading in the space of NFTs mm. and has a wonder has built up an extraordinary following on Clubhouse um, leading conversations um I mean, just so much, so much that I could say about Pilar, but I'm going to let Pilar speak for herself. So I'll pass it over to you. Awesome. Thank you. That was, uh, thank you. I feel welcomed. Um, so is it my weekend that we're chatting? That we're the discussing? past week. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you did all something that, cool. That, yeah. that. I did. I was, I'm very grateful. I was in Miami. Nice. So for Art Basel. Um, and that was really, really great. And oh, wait, you have to tell people just in case people don't know what Art Basel what is. Art Basel is. Okay, yeah. so Art Basel is basically the um, the art show in the U.S. Uh, where pretty much everybody descends on Miami, and it is a, a huge, um, like it's a showcase, it's a convention, it's a conference of art. There were, I think, believe. This year, there were 243 different galleries that showed at Art Basel, and they come from all over the world, um, especially across the U.S., but from Europe. And it, Art Basel itself started off in Europe, and um, they now have, I guess, Hong Kong and Miami. 
I can't remember where the other place is, but um, it kicked off in, I believe, Stockholm or Sweden. It's the, yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. know yeah. that. Originating. But Miami is the spot. And because Art Basel's there, you know how you, you hear about the Wynwood Walls and all the um, all the art activations that have, like, kicked off over the past, you know, years since it since it started showing there. So there's also the Scope Show and the Pinta Show and Spectrum and Context Show and just all kinds of shows that that start throwing yeah if you love art mm -hmm. that's the week to go to yeah it's just art 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 your eyeballs mad art yeah, mad yeah. art everywhere so yeah. do they like turn the streets and businesses like kind of convert everything yeah. into art yeah there's that's art so everywhere dope. parties everywhere events everywhere activations everywhere and so now with nfts with nft art um this year we saw quite a bit of um like nft platforms and nft artists just sort of descend on uh miami this year and have you know they had all kinds of activations there were like ar events augmented reality oh my gosh things. i bet that was were, so dope yeah virtual reality ones and then there were it was weird there were actually four there were four mini conferences mm -hmm. just like a couple days before basil kicked off the weekend before um for one or two days there was like art basil uh, sorry, NFT Basel BZL, NFT Basel BAZL, um, Bit Basel, um, DecentralCon, like all around crypto art. And yeah, it was kind of cool. So all kinds of people came in and just threw yacht parties and all kinds of stuff around their NFT, um, you know, collection or whatnot. Yeah. So some people probably made some money over the weekend too. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, people yeah. were selling, there were artists selling their art. It was great. There yeah, were yeah. a couple of Detroit vendors that I know that were down there. Shifi and um, a parallel were down there. Oh my gosh, that's so dope. Yeah. 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 I've always wondered what Art Basel felt like and especially because it's a winter here. So it was what, like <gasps> 60, 70, probably 70. Oh my God. Probably yeah. 75 there, right? The mm. weather was amazing. I was like, I could live here. I could <laughs> what was, totally what was the highlight of your time at Art Basel? Oh wow! Um, or even in Miami for the in past Miami week. in general. Yeah, that was uh, the highlight of the entire trip. Seeing the art because it was my first Basel, so okay. seeing like really amazing art, like phenomenal pieces. Did um, you see any that you like felt like, oh my god, this has to come home with me? Oh my god, there was a so lot. many. Yeah. yeah, there was a lot. <laughs> But also I got to, I don't know if you guys are into gardens or greenery. Landscaping, but, yeah, for sure. So they've got um, the Miami Botanical Gardens and I rolled through um, with a friend and it was so beautiful. It was I just, bet that was so serene compared to the weather yeah, here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh like, my gosh. Breathe it all in. So that was really, yeah. The rest was like pounding. It was just meetings, meetings, meetings and it was a little crazy. But, a little hectic, yeah. yeah. No, well, at least you had some time to enjoy yourself. Yeah, yeah I yeah. agree. I was just going to ask, like, what was it like with the virtual realities and that whole, um, what would you call it, mm. like, the installation there? Like, did you get to experience anything, like, with that? Yeah, so um, I have, like, I'm a part of a, a group called Searchlight.art. Okay. And so we're a curatorial group that grew out of, a, out of the community. And we have um, about 440 artists from 45 countries in our art pool our artist pool so what we did is we partnered up with um this is our second time partnering with um this ar platform called illust 
dot space, I-L-L-U-S-T dot space. It's so dope. That's a great name. Yeah, oh right? my God, it was. Yes. Wow. And these boys are really cool. They're from New York. Um, they partnered with us in New York for the NFT NYC um, conference. But yeah, so they have like a, an AR platform. And what you do is you take your NFT, like where it's minted, say on OpenSea or whatever, and you dump it into their platform and then you go on their map and you pick where you want to place it. And so for this one, we said we got all the artists that wanted to be on it. And we were like, you know, just um, like dump, you know, along Miami. And we, we had like three locations mm -hmm. um, as suggestions. And then you could put it anywhere. So we had 150 pieces, um, 150 works of art that were in there. So I'm walking out of Basel and I'm like, let me see what's here. Because if you look on the map, you can see, oh, there are a bunch of pieces here. Oh, right. So you pull up your phone. You click open, you know, oh the gosh. link, and then you see the artworks and you can like, you can like take your phone and like make it bigger and take pictures of it. Like you can see like all the people walking around with this like canvas of like, you know, this work, like just sitting there. It's kind of cool. Wow. It's really cool. And you can buy it eventually. They're going to like link it all up so that you can just hit the, you know, the link, the mm -hmm. hyperlink and then buy it right there if you want to buy that piece. Oh, yeah. That's that so fire. crazy. Yeah. Just to imagine, like, I remember the movie, what was that, Smart House? I was thinking about this earlier, the Disney movie Smart House. I never saw it. It was a movie basically about how the house had Siri and it could do whatever mm -hmm. it needed it to do. And now I was just thinking about that earlier. It's crazy, And right? then just like the, the evolution of, yeah, technology yeah. is wild. Yeah, yeah. Wow, yeah, what's yeah. funny is is when um, Mark Zuckerberg did his introduction for Meta, he did like a video where artists were on the street and he was like inside the metaverse and then they would be like, hey, we're FaceTiming you and look at this cool hologram of this artwork. And it would like kind of like turn from like 2D to 3D. So that's what like I think mm -hmm. of when you mentioned that, which is super dope. Okay, so let's back up a little bit. So, because... Um, I want to. The weekend. It was the weekend. Yeah, that was the <laughs> weekend. So, so let's back up to your story. Sure. So, tell us about you know where you're from. You're from one of one of my favorite places. Uh, well, you're from a few places, but yeah. you're from one of my favorite places, uh, Toronto. Mine too. And um, yeah. So, tell us about like your journey um, sure. into being this incredible artist and DJ that you are now. Oh, you're so sweet. Um, so you're right. I was, um, I'm from Toronto. But, uh, the reason why, how I got to Toronto um, was uh, not usual, I suppose. I was born in Mexico in the state of Puebla and my mom remarried and she remarried a French Canadian. So we moved to Canada when I was five, oh, Canada. And um, I grew up in Canada, just outside of Toronto. Um, and then, you know, once I, you know, once you finish high school and everything, you kind of move on and you try to make your own life. And um, Toronto was home for a while. And I developed um, my skill sets. I developed creatively there. I, I got to experiment quite a bit. And, um, you know, I, so as a, as a kid, I thought, you know, as a kid, you think that your life is going to be a certain way and you have goals, right? So I thought I was going to be an athlete. I was like, what you, were you what was your sport of choice? Um, so I, I was a runner. I was a distance runner. Okay. Um, I also was a hurdler, like a distance hurdler. And um, I played volleyball and um, badminton, pairs badminton. Okay. Um, I ran cross country and um, 
yeah, it was just. Uh, they had badminton. Yeah. <laughs> in Toronto. Um, and That's I, interesting. Yeah, 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 yeah. And um, I used to love badminton. I wish they would have had that in the hood. It was fun. <laughs> I'd have been a champ. That's the it's, uh, <laughs> like a tennis racket, but it's smaller. It's got like yeah, the little birdie, it's like yeah, the birdie, the birdie, the birdie, the birdie, uh-huh. the birdie yeah, yeah. and the, the um, volleyball, and the little uh, rubber, yeah. the little rubber birdie thing, yeah. and it flies. Yeah. I, I don't was know good what, at that. Yeah, I don't know yeah. why I was good at it, but they were just like, it's "Yeah, fun. who cares? Competition." I'm yeah. like, All right. <laughs> um, I try to play. I try to play football, but the coach laughed at me, and he's like, "This is a boys' team. You can't. The best you can hope for is like." Um, uh, you know, like rugby, because there's, a, there's that, a girls' that. rugby, whatever, you know, um, conference. But, oh, well, we don't have, like, a rugby team. So he's like, I guess you're S-O-L. <laughs> and I was, like, so mad. Heck um, no. Yeah. I went to my locker, and I got a clipboard. And I walked around school that day because he was, like, so rude. And he was, like, he literally laughed at me. He thought I was ridiculous. And I was like... You know, um, I just wanted to try out. I thought I was fast enough and I could, you know, I could play. I could play football. Anyways. Probably uh, half of those boys were lazy, too. Right? Um, <laughs> it's high school. But, yeah. yeah, I walked around school. I got girls to sign up. And I went back to him the next day and I shoved the clipboard in his in his stomach. And I said, um, 94 girls want to want to play rugby and we want a team. And they had to give us a team. Yeah. Look at you! Yeah. All that Good activism, leadership. Yeah. yeah, so Aquarian. Yeah, <laughs> I checked. Um, I checked up on that on that team. Um, I think like a year and a half ago or something. I was just curious. I was like, "What are they doing now?" Right? Mm. Turns out they're like a championship team now. Like, wow, wouldn't even exist if it weren't for yeah. you. I was pissed. Yeah, I was like, mm. yeah. <laughs> Way to use anger as motivation, right? Mm-hmm. Um, In the right direction. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Um. So yeah, I just want to make a, a clarification. I'm actually a Scorpio. Are you? <laughs> Me too. Oh my god! When's your birthday? November 18th. Mine's is the 15th. My cousin's is the 18th. <laughs> but I love, but I love Aquariuses. And oh my god! I thought you're Aquarius all this time. She's a water sign the whole it is time. Water, the whole but it time. Is water. It's water. Oh yeah, you're air. But you know what? But, but we're the water Aquarius. bearer. So yeah, yes, we're that's why. Water. That's why. I like that pipe. Yeah. So yeah. Um. I, I had a running injury, so that, that killed mm. um, uh, Olympic hopefuls. I was hoping to um, go to the Olympic trials, mm. and so that changed everything. And then I discovered that I could dance. Hey. Um, yeah. I didn't really discover Somebody else discovered that I could dance, <laughs> and <laughs> I, got, I started getting paid to dance in videos and whatever and on television, and that developed into choreography, mm. and then I became a creative director. And um, and a stylist, right? Yeah, and then yeah. I got into fashion, fashion show production. I've produced over, over 100 fashion shows. Mm. Um, oh, wow. And just, yeah, just, you know, and then um, I really wanted to, like, I really wanted to make music, and I really mm-hmm. wanted to to work on my songwriting and so that was always in the background it was like okay i'll use the tour mm. to learn how touring goes yeah and like all the ins and outs of the industry and all that sort of stuff so that when it comes to my stuff mm-hmm. i know an exact I, you know i know what to expect i know what I, you know and all yeah. that so yeah great yeah. so then um i mean i guess there's so many ways that we could go with this conversation so okay so when did you move to detroit about nine years ago. About nine years ago. And yeah, yeah, yeah. what was that, you know, catalyst or what led you to Detroit? So I wanted to finally work. Like, in, okay, so Toronto is a little bit like 
like fast paced like New York, right? So the, the tempo is really different than Detroit. And, you know, I was living a life where it was just client, 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 you know, event, 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 like three events in the same day. It was crazy. I had mm. no life. And I wasn't, I felt I wasn't being creative. Like I wasn't creating my art and my things. And so moving to Detroit was the opportunity to begin um, creating like my body of work and to start working like legit working on my music and that sort of thing. And, you know, it's the home, it's the birthplace of techno um, for DJing. That was like, I was going to, you know, this was where I was going to really start pushing it. Um, and so, yeah, it was, um, it was a really good move. I, I had no idea though what to expect. I didn't realize I didn't realize Detroit was segregated. I didn't even know segregation still existed. Yeah. All the things. Like, I was just like, wow, you know. Um, yeah, it's pretty tough to know that segregation still exists from coming from Toronto, right? Oh, I mean, man, yeah. it's so it's diverse. Oh, my mind-blowing. gosh. Mind-blowing. It just blew my mind. Which is like, interesting because people, because you can be fooled because I was fooled, okay? I admit, I was fooled. Like, oh, there's, Toronto's this diverse place but Canada's racist as shit oh yeah yeah the thing is it's like it's not tolerated like it's not yeah. it's not acceptable to be openly racist like it is in the US in the yeah. US you can be openly racist and people pat you in the back you know what I'm mm-hmm. saying like, yeah like they, they, they like there's more microaggressions yeah. there is what you're maybe yes. saying okay. it's subtle and it's undercover but it's there it does exist mm. um Although there is a, a genuine, a genuine acceptance of, especially like in Toronto, of multiculturalism, and there's a sense of when you when you live in Canada, when people say like, "Oh, what's your background?" Even if you were born in Canada, even if your family has been in Canada for like three generations, they know their heritage. You'll still say, "I'm Russian." Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you see what I'm saying? You'll yeah. still actually, say, I'm Chilean. You'll in still the say, I'm U.S., Italian. but actually in the U.S., it's the same. Um, I just I just noticed that people here say American first. Well, in the Midwest. Oh, in the Midwest. But if you go to New York, mm-hmm. the identify no everyone one wants to be American. When, oh, when you no go to New York, everyone identifies as their <laughs> mother mother country. Okay. Oh, gotcha. yeah, when you're in New York, like people say, I'm fill in the blank. Ah, right. Like gotcha, gotcha. whatever it is, that's what they are. And, and the only ones who say they're American are white folks. Yeah, I see that a lot. Yeah. <laughs> um, that maybe or, don't know. Or or people second, third generation, and this may have this is maybe an old thing, but second, third generation who um doesn't positively identify oh, gotcha. with their with their with, parents' mother country. With their parents' country, right. Yeah. But, you know, nowadays it's like pretty uncool to not identify with your parents' mother country. Right. Yeah, I had a homeboy like who said that like back. In, I had a homeboy who said back in uh, the day, like in the nineties, it was like negative, like to be Haitian. Like no one. Oh yeah. No one wanted to be considered Haitian. Nobody right? wanted to admit they were Haitian. Yeah. Right, right, right. And then right. now all of a sudden, like it's. Like, I'm not Jamaican. I am. I'm Haitian. Right. 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 right, right. right. Which is hilarious. So yeah. 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 I don't understand the stigma. I have a Haitian uncle, and he is very prideful of his. I'm not Haitian. He's. Like married and Haitian mm-hmm. family uncle, but what right. he's very proud of himself and his heritage, and he will let anybody know that anytime. Well, because previously, um, you know, it has to do with assimilation, and so um, a lot of people, 
second, third generation. Uh, I'd say like, honestly, before Black Lives Matter uh, would, you know, try to distance themselves um, or, you know, basically try to prove how American, you know, they were. But I mean, actually, hip hop helped, honestly, because, uh, you know, I know folks were embarrassed in the 80s of their Caribbean heritage. Mm -hmm. And then when um, reggae became popular, then everyone was like, oh, "Oh, yeah, my grandparents, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, you know, I know, uh, you know, here, Detroit is different. Like growing up between Detroit and New York, I can tell you like Detroit was different. Like in the 70s and the 80s, like many people would not want to tell you, like you would just think they were, like Detroiters? Just black American or, you know, whatever. And then you would go to their house and you would smell the food and see like, the flag oh, and like, the yeah, yeah, yeah. parents of the accent. And you're like, oh, wow. Um, and in New York, it's a, it's a lot more normalized. Right. People like express their yeah, culture so outwardly. Yeah. Everything, you, you know, you're going to wear... Your colors, you're going to wear your flag, you're going to, you know. I've always thought that there is a huge, like, Caribbean population in Toronto. Yeah, to hear that there's still, like, a lot of microaggressions going on, I'm like, yeah. I I think it's part of, I don't know, I just think it's part of it, even in New York, right? I mean, people, they'll tell you they're just being, the stereotypes are true, but it's, like, really borderline racist, the things you'll hear people say Oh, yeah, New York is racist. You know what I mean? Like, so I do like it that, you know, Everyone is kind of used to each other's culture, embraces each other's culture through food, through music, right? You go to the club, right? There's a whole DJ set for Caribbean, through Jamaica, through Afrobeat, right? Mm-hmm. It's a time slot, right? So everyone That's is kind of forced over. to embrace it, but it's still racist. Mm-hmm. No, I mean, I mean, it, I mean, honestly, it's uh, it's America, right? Right. And so right, it's, right. it's a racist place. It's a racist place. It's just that you're going to experience more... Um, I hate to say you experience more culture because that really disrespects as if to say like black Americans don't have culture. You have you have more diversity of cultures, more more diversity of cultures. Mm -hmm. But yeah. So in Toronto, you guys have a robust uh, independent fashion industry there. Yeah. Um, A a robust hip hop uh, culture there. Yeah. Um, you know, some of my favorite uh rappers are from Toronto, you know, shouts out to Chocolaire and and that whole crew. You said um, Drake too? Well, that's your generation. God himself. But yeah, he is one of the biggest, you know, gotta give it to him for his uh his work and his work ethic. I'll give him that. And um uh but he's in a lot of trouble right now, isn't he? And then uh <laughs> Uh, I mean, just the art scene there. And just speaking of which, I mean, many countries and, and cities and things that you go to um, have a, a whole governmental department that's dedicated to financing the arts. Yeah, can you speak about that? Yeah, because we don't have that in yeah. Detroit. We used to. But we no longer have it. Yeah. Canada supports the arts. Um, it funds. I mean, it. It would be great to have more support, obviously, but it does it does do some supporting even with um, they have I mean, even in music, they'll Mm -hmm. they'll stipulate, 
you know, we'll give you like, say, this particular artist, some, you know, writer, rapper, woman or whatever. Um, you'll, we'll give you 30 grand. Do you know what I mean? You just mm-hmm. have to make sure that um, I think it's something like 55 or 70 percent of the production and the writing has to come from a Canadian. Yep. So the, the writer there has to it has to be mostly written by Canadian talent, has to be mostly produced by Canadian talent, has mm-hmm. to be mostly recorded you know what I mean? Like all yeah. of it has to, so they they really do push and they also do stipulate things like radio stations and stuff have to play um, Canadian music, that mm. sort of thing. And you know, same with arts. Like you get, you know, there are like all kinds of um, you know support. Like there's there's support for the arts in, in yeah. Canada because they do believe that that's important. Yeah, that's what's up. Mm-hmm. So okay, so you moved to Detroit, mm-hmm. and are you styling at this point, or you're, or it's really about the DJing, or are you doing your visual art? Like, so yeah, here I'm more focused on my visual art mm. and um, like the performance art, um, poetry, like spoken word poetry, mm-hmm. and uh, the DJing and music. Mm-hmm, sure. mm-hmm. Yeah. And so you, so you can't. You came here. You said nine years ago, yeah. and um, now, I mean, you're fully embedded in the scene. You're well respected by many of the, you know, pioneers and the big wigs. Um, talk about your journey in terms of because you, um, you know, you're great with technology. You know, you know the music. You know the culture. Can you talk about how you've cultivated yourself as? this you know um really technically savvy you know visionary artist wow that's so huge (laughs) visionary um i will say that i think for me it's mostly that i am super curious Mm. i'm a very very curious person um i want to know how things work i want to know how things function and i think early on in my career i realized that um, most of the spaces I maneuvered in, most of the industries I maneuvered in were very male-dominated. Mm. And I realized that being male-dominated, they weren't going to be very open-armed. They mm-hmm. were very very clear about, we don't really want you in our space. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Um, and they weren't very helpful, if, if that makes any sense. And the ones that were would extend some kind of interest or some kind of like, oh, I would love to like, collaborate or let's do something usually there was, free. Al- there was an ulterior motive it was yeah. like mm-hmm. come to the studio at 2 a.m yeah. um or mm. like you know it would be like um let's go out on a date let's go out for mm. drinks let's mm. you know it was it was all this attachment and i was like i i can't deal with this garbage do you know what i mean like yeah. i just want to make music or i just want to do this or Literally i just want to play my life do you know what i mean like why <laughs> can't i just you know what i mean like why can't i just audition like yeah. why can't I just it was always like somebody trying to Some get type of casting something couch yeah thing. constant it was part of the reason why I stopped um going to auditions too because I was mm. just like the misogyny in the audition rooms was so vile that I was just like I can't even swallow this like this is just ridiculous like a bunch of guys at a table all like leering at you and mm. saying like get down lower do this do that and I'm just Mm-mm. like I'm a professional dancer I'm not yeah. a ripper like do you know what yeah. I mean like yeah. I'm not gonna like it was just ridiculous mm. um so yeah and a lot of the choreography would annoy me too would be like why do the guys 
on set, like, or at, like, you know, part yeah. of the show or whatever, get choreography that's, like, badass choreography that's, like, yeah. really complex. Yeah. And because I'm a woman, I'm, like, lying on the ground pretending to, like, touch myself. Like, why yeah. is that my choreography? You yeah. know what I mean? Like, yeah. it was just brutal. Yeah. And it drove me nuts. And that's what, yeah, it pushed me into, like, okay, I just, I'm going to choreograph. Like, I don't, you know what I mean? Like, and, um... I think that just and the need to have to do it yourself. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? So it was like I started asking around, like, what equipment do I need? What kind of system do I need? What do I need to learn? And just asking yeah. like this DJ, that producer, the ones who would give me tidbits mm-hmm. and then putting it all together and realizing, OK, like, you know, and then you start off with like, you know, Cubase or whatever and then Pro Tools and then you're moving around and then like Ableton Live is more my thing and like mm. all the different, you know, um, DAWs that there are and all the different ways. And for, you know, for DJing, that that actually happened because I couldn't communicate with the DJs for fashion shows. Mm. Um, they didn't understand what I needed and mm. I, I wanted like, you know, this type of music for like gowns coming out yeah. and this type of music for like denim coming out. Those yeah. are two mm. different sounds, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Two different feels and mm-hmm. they were just looking at me like, yo, I'll just play like whatever. I'll play oh, some hip hop and I'm just annoying. like, ah. So, you know, so that's what forced me to have to like start really doing music programming. Mm. And then a friend of mine who's a DJ, um, Joey Reverence, I'll never forget. He's like, you know, you just need to mix. Like just I'll teach you how to mix. You'll be able to mix like so fast. And then you don't mm. need to rely on these fools. Mm-hmm. And so he taught me to mix. Um, and then I just basically put it all together and then just would hand it to the DJ. And all they had to do was press play. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So Nice. Um, Look at you. Yeah. But it was, you know, all of that. And then. That understanding and that mm-hmm. being able to like do it yourself because you have to, yeah, um, started just really opened me up to like all the possibilities. And so when new things would come up, yeah, I'm just being a curious person. I'd be like, well, what is that new thing? What mm-hmm. what can I do with that? And what what can we build with that? And um, I've always been one to really encourage women and girls to like get into tech, get into the space, get into music. Mm-hmm. You want a DJ? Like I'll help you learn. Like I'll help. I'll teach you how to mix. Like whatever. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like we need more and more and more women so that it's normal. So that you're not like, you know, those sets or those nights where people are like, oh, like all all these DJs are women. It's like yeah. women DJs. It's like nobody ever says. Why is the whole lineup male DJs? Yeah. Never hear that, right? Mm-hmm. You know what Ever. I'm saying? So, yeah, I'm always, mm-hmm. like, trying to push, um, mm-hmm. for you know, to, like, move the space forward and to, like, open doors. And, like, if I have to learn tech first or get mm-hmm. my head around it mm-hmm. to understand it to, like, help somebody else, do you know what I mean, get their head around it or make it sort of more as- accessible to somebody else, then like that's yeah then that's my job that's what and I'm you saying. do that really well um i want to move there's so many <laughs> points of conversation that i want to have this is so good i know right <laughs> let's move like, to your um the visual art tell us about sure. your you know medium and your style and how you have been nurturing and cultivating that part of your career okay so um my earliest memory of drawing or, or, or creating art was when I was three. My in Mexico, my grandfather used to like let me color while I was watching cartoons. <laughs> and um, moving to Canada to a pretty much an all white city, mm. and the way I looked, it was the my first my first understanding that there was something wrong with the way I looked. Right, it was my first 
um, like my first experience of racism, Mm -hmm. right? There were boys that would wait for me after school when I was five to beat the crap out of me like every day, right? They were like older and they would wait every day. Sometimes they'd have sticks. Sometimes they'd have stones. Sometimes they'd just be punches and kicks. Yeah, it was brutal. You were a baby. It was brutal. And I was just like, they don't like the way I look. Um, I could already read and write. Um, because in, in Mexico, you learn to read and write when you're three. So within about six months, I could read and write English. Mm. And then I started to realize it, it, you know, it's my appearance. My cousin followed me one day. Like, she came with me because she realized that I was getting beat up. Mm. And she um, she was, like, Canadian-born. Yeah. Um, my mom's my, – our, our mothers are sisters. Yeah. And she came with me and she stood there and she was like, I was worried. I was really scared because I was like, now she's going to get beat up because I'm, I, I told her about this. Oh, so, yeah. Right. And she went. Um, so she has an older brother who always beats her up. And so she knew how to fight. Mm. And it was the first time I ever saw a girl fight. And she, a six-year-old girl, took on these boys and pounded. like wow. bloody noses, <laughs> Yeah. Pounded them like into the ground. I was wow. like, they never bothered me again after that. But that was like an empowering moment. Mm-hmm. And right right around that time, I started realizing that like I would find solace in drawing at school because, you know, like people were like distant and mm-hmm. they were just like that girl, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and kids started coming around and seeing what I was drawing and they liked what I was drawing. They were like, oh, my God, you're such a good drawer. Like, look, look. Right. Mm-hmm. And it was it was when I realized that art had power Mm. and it started opening the doors it started breaking down um you know the barriers that kids were taught like to hate Mm. do you know what I mean and they stopped a lot of kids stopped hating me I started developing friends beat through art wow so um art like I started seeing the power of art yeah and it I loved it so it just not that but like I love drawing I love painting and that just um I built it you know all the way through high school and into Mm. university um, I kept working on, you know, my sculptures and like painting and all of that. So, um, yeah, it's really, it's really, um, it's really important. And it was actually in Detroit that I got my first opportunity to, to show in a museum. Mm. So I've shown at the DIA now um, four times. And that's the Detroit Institute of Arts for people that are yeah. listening. It's the um, the museum here. It's the yeah. It's the uh, what would you call it? The premier arts institution in Detroit. It has all of the um, classical, you know, pieces in it. Yeah, Yeah. like something like sixty nine thousand works of art that are held there, and it's considered um, one of the. I learned recently, it's considered one of the seven top collections in the U.S. Mm. because of Detroit having its heyday as Mm. you know. Paris of the West mm-hmm. being like the epitomous place to be like mm-hmm. at its at its height at its you know like industry height fashion everything was here mm-hmm. um and so that museum grew to like a really spectacular collection and it also has the piece the Diego Rivera yes it has the Diego which Rivera, is a like, very historic uh, yes. piece about the art dedicated to the um, auto worker on the line. Yeah. So when you go in there, you'll see uh, it's huge. Yeah. In yep. the what is, is it the atrium? Yeah, like that that's main called. Atrium. Yeah. yeah, and yeah. Um, you'll see this huge piece that's dedicated to yeah. all the people working on the line. Huge murals. Yeah, yeah. Ginormous murals. Mm-hmm. Really beautiful. Yeah, they have a lot of great pieces in there. Mm-hmm. So you showed there. That's pretty top notch. Yeah, really fortunate. four times. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Okay. <laughs> Brittany figured out how to use the sound effects. <laughs> oh, I'm a G now. Okay. She good. So yeah. Just keep switching. She good. <laughs> she good. She good. She good. Don't you? She good. Thank you, Deja. She yeah. good. She good. Okay, look so, at yeah. you. And then, <laughs> so, um, so now, tell us how you were able to, you know, get shown in in the DIA. Yeah, because um, that's probably not necessarily a oh no easy it's, feat no right it's, it's an institution that's pretty much gatekeeperish and like every cultural institution is pretty closed off to people like us women of mm-hmm, color mm-hmm. people of color like these are cultural institutions I don't for anyone that isn't aware um, museums and galleries across the planet less than five percent of all the works held in those institutions are works of art made by people of color or women, mm. right? So, and that's not because women don't create work or create art or no, people no. of color don't create art. It's just that it's not valued by the people that make those decisions, mm. right? Which mm-hmm. are, you know, the people that make those decisions or mm-hmm. just identify them. Um, so it's really difficult to get your your work shown or to get recognized, but there was an opportunity um, that somebody mentioned to me, they were like, you're, you, you know, you're culturally Mexican. Um, have you heard of the Ofrendas exhibit? And I was mm. like, what's that? So Day of the Dead is a celebration that um, Mexico has um, every year, November 1st and 2nd. And we celebrate our ancestors. We honor our ancestors. And it's a celebration of life. It's a celebration of um, their lives. And, and you know, you you honor them. And it we don't look at death as um, a fearful thing. It's it's rooted in Aztec culture and Aztec practices, like Mexica practices. Anyways, there was a partnership between the Mexican consulate and the Detroit Institute of Arts to have like ofrenda exhibits, mm-hmm. right? To exhibit these ofrendas, these altars, these offerings to our yes. ancestors. Yes. And so I was like, oh, I'm going to submit. So I submitted, and mm. luckily that first submission I got in. Um, and that's, yeah, that's how I was able to like get in that first time. Did you have images of your own family members and people that were special to you in your submission? On that one? Yeah. It was mm-hmm. about my grandparents. I sent it wow. in on my grandparents. Beautiful. So, yeah. It was like this big thing. Wow. So, yeah, that's that's gorgeous. Yeah. Abuelitos. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <The> abuelitos. <laughs> and so, so you've exhibited. Yeah. You're DJing some of the top events here. Mm-hmm. It's fun stuff fun stuff and how did you get into this crypto and nft space oh my gosh (laughs) right so there's a platform called clubhouse yeah and yeah and it's an audio only platform and anybody who's not on it it's you should check it out it's it's quite fun and you listen to all kinds of people having all kinds of conversations and you can just join by like jumping up on stage you know Uh i want to join i want to add in so anyways, um, back in August of 2020, um, we're deep in the we're deep in the pandemic. Everybody's at home. Nobody's really doing stuff. Things are all shut down and it's crazy and people are going a little stir crazy. And Clubhouse starts taking off and it's still in beta form. So it's still not open to the public. One of my girlfriends, um, super savvy woman, one of the most intelligent women I've ever met. She's a founder, like a tech founder in um, San Francisco. And she comes originally from Detroit. And I met her here through an ex. Um, she's the, her, her recording studio, is, um, she ended up selling it to um, 
it is now Eminem's studio. It's now M's studio. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but she made her money in that yeah, and in yeah. um, e-ticketing early on and that sort of thing. And mm. she got really into tech. But she invited me onto this platform because she knows about all the like new things, right? Right, right. <laughs> and she's like, "You got to be on this. Like, this is your thing." And I'm like, "Oh, not she sent you the invite so you yeah. can get in." Yeah, yeah. right. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, "Oh no, not another thing." But you know what? If <laughs> it, Nicole remembers, so if Nicole says something's cool, it's probably going to be really, really cool because she always sends me to all these like really interesting things. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, let me get on there. So I get on there and I discover all these like really fascinating people, like people who are on the forefront of like all kinds of things, like doing all kinds of really, you know, incredible things um, from the nonprofit world, from like CEOs, founders, from tech, like all over the place, like just artists, just all kinds of things going on in there. And um, I stumble in this room in I want to say like February, February or March or whatever. Yeah, February. And um, it was about, you know, crypto and NFT. This year? Uh, no, last year. Oh, yeah, no. 2021. Yeah, 2021. Yeah. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. This year. And I was like, oh, let me listen to the, what, what are they talking about? And I was like, oh. And it started to click with, um, so the year before in 2019, again, Nicole had sent me to this thing. She was like, Look, all these people are coming into Detroit. They're doing this conference. It's called Radical Exchange. And um, it's a tech thing, but they're like it, it, it involves, you know, um, like abolition and data justice and all the justices and all the things. And you're such a movement person. And like, you know, you need to go there. They're looking for some artists and they want artists who are activists. And so I recommended you. And I'm. it's one of those things, you know, it's a really busy week and whatever. Yeah. But like Nicole wants me to go. So, yeah, OK, fine. Do you, I'm in. Right. 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 And it turns out that it was um, – so Radical Exchange um, was headed by um, – what is his name? White. Um, one of the head guys from one – one of the head guys from Microsoft. Okay. So it's like a bunch of Microsoft, Google people. Um, and the keynote speaker is Vitalik um, Buterin, the, the, the gentleman that created Ethereum. Oh, okay. Wow. Okay. And he's apparently on the board. I probably mispronounced his name. But so it was all this. And for two days, I was immersed in blockchain and all of this. And I started, you know, um, in the um, the workshops and stuff, like they were talking about how they're going to, you know, how they were going to utilize the blockchain for Mm -hmm. um, more justice driven voting Mm -hmm. and all this stuff. Like and we just got into all these discussions. I was able to bring up literacy Mm -hmm. and because literacy is like a huge thing for me. And, um, you know, it was it was new for them to think of illiteracy as a as a block Mm -hmm. for access to tech. And mm-hmm. I was like, you know, you guys are all tech people and tech is the future, but understand that there are places in this country where people don't eat, can't read. Do yeah. you know what I mean? Like Detroit has like a 47%, you know, rate of, um, you know, like almost complete illiteracy. Do you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like, um, so functional literacy, like working at about a third grade level to like complete literacy. And then the country, the U.S. alone, like the U.S. in general, um, it grows um, in the literacy rate about 19% every year from high school mm. graduates who can't read. That's like 19% every year. Mm. But um, anyways, like, you know, I was just like discussing all kinds of things with them. But that was like my first intro to NFTs. And that started to click right there. I was like, oh, that's what they were talking about. Because they were like, you can use this for art. And I was just like, 
how am I going to use this for art? Like, what's the mm. blockchain? What? I didn't get, do you know what I mean? Like, they yeah. were like, you could put it in, you know, da, da, da. and I'm like, yeah, my canvases, I don't know. I don't know how you'd put that. You know what I mean? Like, it didn't. Yeah. They didn't know the language in that moment mm-hmm. to explain it to me, like how to utilize it. Mm-hmm. But it was in Clubhouse that I it clicked for me, and I was like, "Oh, I take a digital photograph of my art, right? Or I create digital artwork on, you know what I mean, like on one on some on platform, platform yeah. in a phone, on an iPad, whatever, in a computer." And I utilize it or whatever. Like there's so many ways, you know, yeah. that you can create or you use a video or do like, you know, poetry recorded on a, a video, like all kinds of things. Right. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, and that's anything and, not tangible. Yes. <laughs> and that and that becomes an NFT and that goes on the blockchain and that mm-hmm. becomes like access to wealth building and access to all the things and ownership mm. and yeah, provenance and um, secondary market sales that were not. As artists, you're not privy to that in in the traditional markets. Yeah. And so you went from that, uh, you know, listening, like being in the room. Yeah, And deep diving. And deep diving to a lot of studying. Yeah. (laughs) To now being a premier voice, a thought leader, a go-to person, expert on Clubhouse. And you have your own channel. Is it called a channel? Well, there are clubs. Clubs. clubs, So you have your own club on there. And then rooms. And your rooms and like ongoing things. Yeah. So talk about all of that because you've grown that over time and you are continuing to uh, bring more women into the space. You have some women centered spaces. You are brought up to speak quite often. And you're working with a lot of founders now to bring more or to bring Detroiters into the NFT space, Detroit artists into the NFT space. So let's talk about that. Okay, yeah. That's a lot, but yeah. <laughs> so yeah, you. so Clubhouse functions where you can create clubs and you can build that social following um, in there. Uh, so I created a club for um, house and techno enthusiasts. I created, and it's me, like- Me, me. Yeah. It's the largest one on there. Um, I created a club for um, for women, mainly women of color, and, and all of those types of issues, centering you know sisterhood and collaboration and that sort of thing. And it's called Momentum is Ours. And so that grew up like that grew. And I was part of um, NFTs Tips, which is um, a, a very very large NFT and crypto kind of community. Um, space um, by that was like created by a bunch of like guys and a woman, like a few women, and mm-hmm. that sort of thing. And in that space, um, I was able to um, grow. Do you know what I mean? Like as I learned and on, like as I was onboarded, then I was starting to onboard other people and educate them about um, what the space is, and then really push for um, women. You know, bringing women into the space and 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 teaching them and meeting loads of women that are like leaders in the space and just getting asked um, because of like, I'm an abolitionist, so I'm very vocal about things when they come up. And so when the racists are speaking or, um, you know, something is brought up that is a misunderstood, um, you know, a myth or something like I'm I'm open to like going up and just being like, well, this is, you know, um, the truth. Right, you know, right. Um, sort of shedding light on 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 more truthful, factual things and how history really did happen and mm-hmm. things like that. And so I get I get invited to panels where um, women are centered 
um, where equity is centered, where, um, you know, rise up, you know, collaborations, like solidarity, like all those types of things. Um, I also get invited into like poetry rooms and, and that sort of thing. But yeah, and NFT, NFT spaces. And I'm about to launch um, NFT Matters, a podcast um, centered around um, NFT, like crypto, the, the culture um, for the evangelists and the crypto curious um, and really focusing on not just like the great things that are happening in the space, but the women who are leading a lot of what's happening in the space. Because there are some movement leaders that are, you're just like mind blowing, mm -hmm. like just what they're doing, what they've done, how they carry themselves. And a lot of the conferences don't focus on them. It's very male dominated still. You, like it's still like panel, 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 like guy, 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 guy. You know right. what I mean? But um, but yeah, but, but the women are like really doing a lot of like incredible things. Wow. And, you know, I'm very excited because you're going to be coming on our show to give us a little bit of tidbits so we can do some cross promotion yeah. of your podcast. Woo! Oh, yeah. There you go, Brittany. <laughs> yeah. So um, now I wanted to go into this whole like NFT conversation, but I think maybe we'll save that for some of the other sort of episodes. I wanted to just maybe... um. Maybe just like right now, I mean, there are spaces where people can go and hear about the basics, but just for here and now, um, you know, what's interesting to me is, is just the, even the concept of an NFT, because I'm like, okay, historically, you're looking at the materials that the artist used or um, maybe materials that are no longer available or um, the, the the period in time or the history or the story behind, you know, um, maybe the artist or, you know, something, the technique or something like that. And I'm looking at like, um, as an old school person, you know, uh, and this obviously is at least 20 plus years ago, the idea of a JPEG Right. As a thing is a deteriorated um, form. It's a it's a, um, a what, what would you consider it? I guess a lesser quality of this fuller form. Right. Of an image. And so it's a it's a it's a compression. And so depending on the pixel size and depending on, you know, the size that you create, you know, it could literally be this really um tiny size thing that if you try to blow it up it's going to look terrible right. you know it's going to become deteriorated and so within the art world or the commercial world or just the world of images it's always been um considered uh, uh undesirable to have a jpeg a jpeg is like just for preview or you would you know you don't really share like jpegs like you know professionally like you right, know right, right. um and so it's interesting to me to see people making millions of dollars now off of what was considered trash, if you you know. Right. Mm -hmm. So um, can you speak about that part, about sure. the value piece and, you know, sure. how that value is created? Right. So... Um, what's interesting is that I, I first want to just say that what's really interesting is that in this time, 
like the time that we're in right now, creators, like creatives who normally were like digital artists, mm -hmm. right? We're not considered for up until now, really weren't considered artists, right? right. They, you, you wouldn't consider that, you would consider that person a hired help, right? Like yeah. this is someone you hire. So true. It's right, like, so they mm -hmm. weren't considered artists of their own merit, right? You wouldn't yeah. see them exhibiting in a gallery. You wouldn't see them, you know, in a book or a magazine being interviewed as an artist, right? No matter mm -hmm. how amazing they were. Like it generally wasn't considered by the art world, by society in general, like these are artists. Mm -hmm. So that has shifted, right? And now for the first time, we're looking at people who create digital works, whether they're 2D works or 3D works, you know, as actual artists of their own right, right? Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. that's amazing. The fact that there is now um, value in being creative, right? Val like creativity has value now, as opposed to before, you know, people would, would, you'd often hear that thing where your parents are like, no, no, don't be an artist because you're never going to make any money. Do yeah. You know, my mom like, literally told me not doctor. to be a photographer. Right, right. <laughs> go be a doctor, go be yeah. something else. Do not, everyone's always dis like dissuading people. Mm -hmm. For the first time, people are like, no, being creative is actually not only profitable, but it is like the future. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like they're recognizing like how important creativity is, right? Especially for our future and especially right now in tech. But there's, um, so with cryptocurrencies, um, without getting too crazy, um, when you put, when you say create an NFT and you put it on the blockchain and the blockchain, think of it as, um, as like a ledger, something that records information and it's just locked in there, right? So when you, you know, when you have a ledger saying like, you know, I deposited this money into my bank account and then I took it out on this day, this is, you know, it's like a record in your bank account, like a ledger, accounting ledger, that kind of thing. Think of the blockchain as a record of things, right? So the records get put in there, right? And those bits of information get put in these little blocks and they're there forever because it's decentralized. The computer systems are all over the place that are used. It's not a central, it's not one computer mm -hmm. that you're putting the information in so that that's the only computer that has it. So you can change that information whenever you want because it's just on that computer. But if that information is held on a whole bunch of computers all mm -hmm. over the place, you can't change that information. You can't go to all those computers. You can't even find where it's held. Do you know right. what I mean? So it's immutable. Like it can't be changed. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? So once it's locked into the blockchain, that information can't be changed, which gives it value now because that get, that that now tells us when something was created, when something was bought, what it was bought for, and maybe who bought it after, how the price, like the price, mm -hmm. right? It's all locked in. That can't be forged. It can't be changed. You can't take a, a work of art and say like, oh, I actually bought it for $11 million when it was only, you only paid 500 for it. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like you can't mm -hmm. do that, right? So there's, and there's provenance too, because right in, like within the blockchain, within that NFT, you can see who created it, who bought it, like mm -hmm. all that provenance is built in, right? So that has that value. Um, and what also what also gives it value is when say you create something and you say I'm gonna sell it for a hundred dollars worth of Ethereum coin, right? Yeah. Um, which right now I don't know what it's at today, but let's just say it's point zero zero five or something, right? Um, ETH, right? 
that 0.005 today may be worth $100, right? Yeah. But as ETH increases in value now, right? Mm-hmm. Like six months from now, if today, like let's say Ethereum, one Ethereum coin is worth $4,000. Yeah. But in six months, what if it's worth $10,000, Right. right, one Ethereum coin. So, so then means, the, the the value of whatever you bought right. then goes up. Right. So mm-hmm. now your piece is not worth a hundred dollars anymore because point zero zero five is now worth it would be worth like say two hundred and fifty dollars. Yeah. So right? you don't even have to raise the price of it. You it just, just it increases just, all on yeah. its own because mm-hmm. it, it's it's sitting on it's not sitting on USD money. Yeah. It's sitting on ETH. And that yep. that as that value changes, so does the value of your piece. And so people are looking at this as a as a mode of investment. Yeah, they right? are. As as an asset. It's it's a it's an asset. And you can mm-hmm. put anything. You can sell, you can attach a car to it, you can attach real estate to that contract, that smart contract that gets created on that. As, as part of Platform. that NFT. Mm-hmm. Yeah, as what's minted. Um, you could do whatever. It doesn't have to be art. It's just that art is like the big winner right now. Like what, yeah. what people are really like um, creating and, and moving around and selling and putting uh-huh. money into. Um, and yeah, so as an investment for people who speculate, people who, you know, flip NFTs or whatever, or just want to invest, throw money into something, mm-hmm. it's um, it's an easy peasy kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it does, you know, it, it holds value um, and it generates, I guess, it generates wealth more quickly in many yeah. cases than traditional art. Mm. So where, you know, because it keeps moving. Right. So the way a canvas, like if you buy a painting in the traditional market, which is why a lot of people in the asset class will buy big works of art, because for them, that's an asset that's going to appreciate. It's going to increase in value. But it's going to take years usually for that to increase in value. Right. Whereas an NFT in six months, it might have like increased by $69,000. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? That doesn't happen in the traditional world usually. Like it's it's. It's really not common at all, right? But in NFTs, that's that that happens often. It's and then, the what business. are you doing? In because you're doing a lot of work in this space for your personal work, and then you're helping. Then you're like I said, you're working with the uh, some founders to bring Detroiters in. So, can you talk about what you're doing in this space? Yeah. So, um, I'm a part of that group, Searchlight.art. And we create exhibits um, and we have we're a curatorial body um, and we create opportunities for artists to be seen. So we, we do push for emerging artists, but also take on traditional artists and, it, it, you know, really established artists in the space and um, in the traditional world, in the analog world. And we have 440 artists and growing um, from 45 countries. We've um our first exhibit was in Miami off of the Bitcoin conference in June. And that had about 114 artists in that show and five like five days of different activations and all kinds of stuff. Then um, we did a bunch of different shows, like smaller things. And then we we um, for NF- the NFT NYC conference in New York in November, we ended up being the official curator um, for like an art exhibit within the conference itself. Um, Christie's was the other curator. So we were wow. like in line I, with... Tell people who Christie's is because that's yeah. huge. It's one of the biggest art collector dealers in the world. Yeah. Christie's is like 
one of the biggest um, art auction houses on our planet. And so they deal with like million, like pieces that are worth millions of dollars. Like it's big, big, big art. Yeah, like, that's where all the top huge, people, yeah. Christie's and Sotheby's. Yeah, Christie's mm. and Sotheby's. So um, we got kind of like put in line with them. They were the other wow. one. Um, and they did That's incredible. Own, I know it was, we were like, what? Um, but we had 227 artists that we showed at that and then we had um six other activations so we had two one two three art exhibits like in real life we had two metaverse exhibits um in the metaverses one in decentraland one in spatial um and we had um two um events like uh panels and one one of them was also like a a collectible show so a lot of the collections that sell like you know like 10,000 versions of whatever the NFTs like those NFT collections it was the Boonaland party was another one that we were affiliated with um and yeah we had just a whole bunch of stuff going on plus oh yeah we we got on board with Illis Space and we had um a hundred a hundred works of art throughout New York City um showing in in augmented reality for that so we like yeah we were we didn't sleep for a while, like <laughs> yeah. And so, just explain because all of this is happening. When you say we had it here, you're it's virtually happening. Yes, mm-hmm. virtually happening. And did you also was it hybrid? Did you also have a physical space? Yes. So we did. So the physical show was showing um, at the conference and at the blockchain center for Mask Ephemera, which was the the curated show for, with 227 like 100. It was 169 artists, and then we had an extra 67 artists or 69 artists in an additional reel for the conference. But Mask Ephemera had 169 artists. And so that showed also in the blockchain center outside of the conference for anyone who wasn't didn't have a $500 ticket or $1,200 ticket for the conference, they could still see the show, right? Then we also partnered with um, the Door Door Gallery, and we threw that that was like another 100 artists. 100 pieces there and then we had a um a dressa for letty wanted to do um a latin artist um kind of showcase at her space in brooklyn and so that went off and we had um i can't remember i think it was like 50 something artists in that like all latin artists um showing there and then we had from our pool um then we had um the half of the Mask Ephemera show in the Decentraland Pranksy Gallery and the other half showing in the Spatial. We partnered with Spatial VR. If anyone's not familiar with Spatial, you can go in and create these awesome galleries um, or have awesome like virtual meetings with your with your teams. Do you know what I mean? Like you can build all these like virtual spaces and have teams like meetings with your teams where you're like little virtual people avatars yeah. and you could talk to each other. Yeah. Like in there. It's kind of crazy. <laughs> um but yeah, like so yeah, we had a whole bunch of stuff going on. So this is so exciting. I'm just excited that um you're going to usher us into the metaverse <laughs> and uh and all of this space. Um I want to save like more of this for some other times. Yeah, for sure. I have so many questions. Oh, you do? Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, this one is a stupid question. So there I'm are on no stupid questions. I'm, <laughs> <laughs> whoa, I'm on Searchlight.art and yeah. I'm looking at the mm-hmm. uh, artist directory. Right? right. So I pulled up JJ Wingberg. 
Okay. JJ Weinberg. Oh, yeah. Weinberg. Mm-hmm, okay. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So he has this dope piece where he's doing a parody, which I love, like the description of the art, right? Yeah. And he's doing this uh, parody of, uh, what's the guy's name? Let me go back down. I forget his name. Bob, Bob Ross. Mo- yeah, Bob Ross. <laughs> and it's dope because it's like Steve Jobs holding up an iPhone. Yeah. And it's like a double picture. I wonder if I, if I can share it. Yeah. Wonder, and it's a I'm- whole collection. He's got this whole collection he's created around that. Mm-hmm. His story is phenomenal. Like, mm-hmm. if you hear him talk about, like, the Bob Ross story, like, it's crazy. I so, some crazy backstories. So yeah. I see here mm-hmm. that the sale on his piece ends May 17, 2022. Right. And right now in U.S. dollars, it's almost around $7,000 to buy this piece. Okay? okay. So someone makes an offer to buy this piece for this price. Someone bids a couple dollars higher and this goes on and on and on until May 17th, right? Mm-hmm. And so when, once they purchase it, they're purchasing this through cryptocurrency. Right. And then once they make that purchase, they own the NFT of this picture. Am I stating that properly? Yeah. So what happens is the NFT transfers into because this is all done with wallets, digital wallets. Kind of like your friend who was in the e-tickets, right, where you got the Apple wallet and the ticket goes to your app. Okay, I'm with you. Right. So you have your your wallet, which is going to be a MetaMask wallet for Ethereum. So you've got your MetaMask wallet and he's got his MetaMask wallet, right? Uh, Okay. And right now that is connected to his MetaMask wallet. Okay. So you make a bid, say like it's 7,000, but say you're like, I don't really want to pay 7000 let me offer him five. Okay. Let's see if, like, I'll offer him whatever five ETH is right now, like $5,000 worth of USD and ETH is, right, and offer it to him. He might take it. He might say, you know what, I know it's up, I know I have it up, I have this price point for it, mm-hmm. but I'll accept five. And at that point, he would accept it, and it would transfer, like, automatically the ETH transfers from your wallet into his wallet. Okay. And that NFT automatically transfers into your wallet as your like you are now the owner. And then and that's automatic. And the blockchain keeps the ledger of the whole transaction. Yeah. And so when you look, whenever you look at that piece, whenever you bring that up, it'll have a record of it at the bottom. Um, at the bottom of every NF- every NFT, you'll see the record. You'll see who created it, the date and time they created it, who it got transferred to, what they paid, what all of that. It's all in there. Okay. So mm-hmm. I this is where the stupid but facetious debacle Abbott's question comes in. Okay. Sure. So I'm like, okay, I love this piece. I'm broke. I'm not paying seven thousand dollars for this. Sure. I'm gonna take a screenshot of it. Okay. And then I'm going to save it to my phone and then I'm going to share it with my friends on Instagram, on Twitter Mm -hmm. as an original piece. And then I go to sell it for, I create it. How can I ask this? So can I create? You could take, you could take a screenshot of it and create your own NFT, but say that it's your work. You could say that. But so I guess my question is, is how, how do we ensure that this artist or does the blockchain already ensure because it's timestamped, the ledger's there, that this is the original piece. So if a million people screenshot it and create their own NFTs, that's the, exactly it'll it. actually maybe even drive the value up more. That's exactly it. Got so, it. Right. Because now I could pretend that that's my piece. But at the end of the day, he has that record. Okay. Do you see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And that record says, like, no, actually, he's the one who created it. And he's the one who put it on the blockchain first. So people have taken people to court. And said, like, you're messing with my art. Already. You're already. 
right? Because it's on the blockchain. Yeah. Because you can see it right there. Do you know what I mean? And like that, that. It's an easy lawsuit. Right. Yeah, right. And if I'm doing an identical, if I'm just taking that that's not acceptable in the art world. What you can do to get some people will will get around things like Nike swoosh or whatever, and they'll like change it, like you know, make it in an artistic down or way, in another so like that, a mirror right, direction. So, so it becomes like an artistic version of something. Mm. You can do that if you choose to do that. I don't advise um, doing that, but like people have done it, they do it. Do you know what I mean? But it has to be a pretty obvious like take on something got it you know what i mean mm -hmm. as opposed to like something identical because something identical where somebody has money and desire to come after you it's on it's on the blockchain it's there's a record of it yeah. everything that i've liked that we've talked about even with talking about your story right is learning so you can invest in other aspects of your life right you're a choreographer you're into music but you also saw that the drive in the ecosystem for tech right and you only tapped into tech really to invest in the space you were already in and you fell in love with it, right? So even with you talking about NFTs and we talked about it when we spoke with you on the phone is that, uh, uh, what did you guys say? A shift in, uh, I don't want to say a shift in profits, but a shift um, A in, transfer of wealth. Yes, a transfer of wealth. Yeah. And I like that because I'm a fond believer in all people finding and creating their own value systems. So with this ledger and NFTs, right, the people who are investing in the ledgers are really, really the ones creating value, not the system, right? Not, you know, anyone but the people who are invested into, I guess, am I saying it, the, the blockchain? Right. I love that. So. Yeah, like, um, and to put it, like, really simply, think of it this way, too. Um, for the first time, you don't have to have like $250,000 worth of, of confirmed assets in order to be able to invest in something. I love that. Right? You, that asset class, that, that, that gatekeeps out, you know, out mm -hmm. like poor people, underserved people, all of that, that doesn't exist in this space. In this space, right, for the first time, you could be anybody. You could be somebody who has $10 to your name and you can literally build wealth because you could take that $10 and go to like open up your your metamask wallet which is free right you may mm. want to throw ten dollars you know into eth into in your metamask wallet but then you go to something like rarible which is a platform that you can mint nfts on that you can create nfts on and it's free like you can you can do what's called gasless minting okay. right where you don't get charged for it okay it's like lazy minting so if you don't have money you can say i'm going to create my nfts and that fee to to mint will end up going, like it'll end up on the buyer Love as it. opposed on me, right? So now that person with just $10 can create something and say, I'm going to charge $50 or $100 for this one. Like, let's just say 50, right? Okay. The equivalent of $50, um, which would be like 0. 0.000 whatever it is, right? And say somebody comes along and says, I really love that. Do you know what I mean? I'm going to buy it. Do you know what I mean? That wealth from that person has now transferred. They've now made $50. I love it. That they never had, that they would never have access to. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And over time, you know what I mean? Like that that $50 worth of ETH um, in that MetaMask wallet, you know, sitting there because you, you, you now are growing your Ethereum size, right? Like how much mm -hmm. Ethereum you have as Ethereum gains in price if you don't spend it, mm -hmm. right? Now that is is increasing in value. So over time, that 50, now $60, because it's added to your 10, 
you know, have $60 worth of Ethereum in your wallet, in a year that might be worth $300, mm-hmm. right? In 10 years, that might be worth $3,000, right? And what did you do? Nothing. Do you know what I mean? Like you did nothing to build that $3,000. If you were to take $10 and put it in a savings account, there is no way in 10 years you would have $3,000. $1,000 in a savings account will gain you about 5 to 10 cents at the end of the year, mm. right? $1,000 in a savings account in a bank, right? Mm-hmm. So we're not building wealth in a bank. You see what I'm saying? But I can build Ethereum wealth, right? I can build wealth and I can will that wallet to my niece and nephew, mm-hmm. Right. And now we have fit generational wealth. I love that. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm just saying, you know, what I mean, these are like the, the things that like access, real access. And that's why people are so excited. They're like, wow, we have mad access right now. Especially for the, for the artists, too. Right. That right. like you said, like, I don't want to be cliche, but um, my man's from Brooklyn, the artist from Brooklyn. I'm like lost for words right now. What is the artist that everyone loves? Which uh, one? And people put him on T-shirts. He has a funky hairstyle. Kahinde Wiley? No. Uh, starts with a B. A B from Brooklyn. What type of art? Uh, uh, Jay-Z always puts him in... Uh, Basquiat? Yes, Basquiat. Oh, Basquiat. Right? I'm like, Where the I thought you were talking about somebody new. They had, no, no, no. They had original, original baskets at, at Basel. I was standing there like... but like right with him where I heard he didn't really you know get you know he didn't become valuable until he passed away totally didn't benefit so now now that's kind of transitioning that space as well totally totally I love it yeah Mm -hmm. yeah wow well yeah okay so let's save some for the other for the rest of the episodes yeah Yeah, I wanted to um, since you're here and you're so political I definitely wanted to uh touch on a couple ratchet topics <laughs> i love it because normally we started the top this but so um, much this was great yeah this was great well actually no. no this is this is awesome um wait so before we get into the ratchet topics though we're gonna do it twice so but give your contact info on how people can get in contact with you okay i am at pilar cote p-i-l-a-r c-o-t-e across everything and um, like everything from Telegram, Discord, everything. Um, and I am my, I can be found on searchlight.art, S E A R C H L I G H T dot art. I can also be, should I give my email address? No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Unless you want to, but you can DM me. Access. But yeah. you can DM me. Yeah. It just it gets cray cray sometimes. People send weird pics. I'll just leave it at that. No. Yes. Oh, shouts out to Mr. Tatum. Says, um, uh, great, great information. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, glad that we're able to provide some value for you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so yeah, let's get into these ratchet topics. So Don Lemon. Do you guys know what happened? No. Tell us. So I'm on the New York Post. And so um, it says CNN's Don Lemon is blasted for not mentioning his own key role in Jesse Smollett's drama. So, uh, you know, Jesse Smollett said that he that's why he didn't turn in the um, his phone initially to the police because he had some text messages or whatever from uh, Don Lemon who was um, 
warning him that the police were looking for him. Uh, if we don't know what happened initially, you know, uh, Jesse Smollett lied about being attacked by some racists who Allegedly. poured bleach on him, but it ended up that he paid these twins, black guys, to beat him up. Allegedly. Um, no, that actually With happened. With the parenthesis in the background. No, <laughs> no, that, you don't have allegedly. to say that part allegedly because um, ah. that's what he's currently uh, being, uh, going through in this moment. Try. So, yeah. Um, and so, um, yeah, I mean, it's just, uh, it's terrible. And then also too, um, you know, we know from a couple of days ago, Don Lemon's CNN buddy, um, Chris Cuomo, he got in trouble because he was basically, uh, trying to cover for his brother, uh, who was the governor of New York City the disgraced ousted governor of oh, New York no. City, uh, Andrew Cuomo, uh, who was, uh, let's say he was accused of sexual harassment because I don't think he's been, I don't think he's going through any processes. So he's been accused. We don't have to say allegedly because that's true. He has been accused. Has been accused. And we know that Don Lemon had also been accused of some sexual harassment in the past. From women? No, <laughs> but he was, you know, sexually harassing people still, you know. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that one, I'm going to say allegedly, but um, I hate to say that when it comes to things like sexual harassment. I got you. Because I like because I'm like, mm, it's kind of. But um, any hootie, rooty tootie. Did you guys hear about any of that or no? Yeah, I mean, I've seen some really interesting internet takes on on the Chris Como. Like, I mean, it's his brother. I mean, what do you guys expect? Like, right. of course, if you have a family member that's going through something and you have the resource to help them, you would. Then, of course, I've seen, oh, this is disgusting, left-hand media, this is what they do. And I've just seen some interesting takes. I mean, the first comment I made, I mean, yeah, but, you know, I don't know in that world, you know, what what they're signing as far as non-disclosures and legally, you know, what's acceptable or what's not. In term, wait, which in when you say which world and which <laughs> and which part? Um, Like as far as like the information, whatever information Don Lennon gave and whatever information Chris Como did. Gave what do you or, mean? What do you mean? Uh, information Don Lennon gave who? Like, didn't you say that Don Lennon gave information to jesse smollett no no he texts them yeah like the police are gonna come question you they're looking for you i mean so and what do that's you think why about just that? that's why jesse didn't give him give the police his phone but what do you think about that Donald? i mean i mean it's basically like if that's your friend i mean let's just get real with it you know and just that, take it to the basics like yeah. that's your friend and you're a news top newscaster so you have you're privy to certain information and you text your friend like, hey, the popos are about to come get you. I, I mean, I probably would be do that. Phone. I probably would have done it, too. I'm not saying it's right, but I mean. Call him off the office phone. <laughs> That's what but do. like, but OK, but can't you just. Erase you got to send him. Just erase it. No, you got to send him. Go um, it. Oh, they yeah. Can, nothing's ever erased. Deleted messages unless you have like telegram or something. Nothing's else. ever erased. For but real. Even so, but even so, I think that like it gets him more in trouble by pre 
by trying to hide it from the FBI, it's like, why not just give over your phone? Definitely. Right, right, it's right. It's the FBI. It's like, Whoa. okay, right. I will say this. Over. In the I will say this. In the land of um protecting what's left of our sovereignty and privacy. <laughs> I would say fight it tooth and nail. Like, don't give over. Like, don't just give submit your submit to the will of the government the or authority. Request. You know what I mean? Like, they make like make them right. go through the process. Like, make them Facts. use all the things. That's yeah. what it's there make for. Make them use the system. That's what I would say. Like, yeah, you're right. You know, don't snitch on yourself. Totally right. <laughs> no, that makes sense. Totally right. I mean, so it's um, it's probably illegal. To do something, is it illegal to do something like that? To do what? To text text someone and say, hey, I'm pretty sure you need to watch her back. They're looking for you. I don't think that's, I don't think that's illegal um, to to let people know. But it's, it's, what's the word? It's uh, bad integrity. Like it's not good. I don't know what the right word is. It's not illegal though. Like there's no law that says like you can't, you know, warn someone that they're gonna right. be in danger. Like that's that in and of itself is not illegal, but it's like it makes you look complicit. a certain way. Yeah, it makes yeah, you look yeah. complicit. Like Yeah, it does make you look complicit. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so you know <laughs> but yeah, that's terrible about Don Lemon. But it but they may get rid of him. He may lose his job over this. I don't know. Wow. I'm shedding tears. Like he may, I don't know. I'm they sure may he has shut him down. To, to, to sit back on, though. I'm just saying. <laughs> when you would... go to Miami and hang out on the beach. Mm-hmm. You know, hopefully he can. I mean, he's still young. So, you know, maybe he can. I mean, you can definitely. I mean, he can he can do something different. Maybe he can be an, an actor or something. He can Going to NF- Hollywood. He can NFT the experience and make a lot of money. There wow. you go. That's a great idea. Can he? I don't think he could use the CNN signature, though. People have have made like a lot of money on tweets. I've I've saw Mark that Mark Cuban I think is doing like you know sold some tweets like I mean some crazy people selling some tweets like ridiculous tweets. I'm more interested in the people buying tweets and paying can a lot of money for tweets. Can we go look at Gucci Mane and Kanye's rants over the years? Those tweets probably can are classic. Yeah, I wonder. I don't know. This is all interesting. Those will be expensive. I guarantee you. Mm-hmm. Gucci went off. <laughs> I know. I don't know. I, that's not my world. I know. <laughs> that was oh. a bad rant. That was a bad. No, it's bad all good. Rant. It's welcome. This welcome. I'm just. I'm just here. Like, <laughs> but um. No, Gucci broke the internet that day. That wasn't good. That's that's for funny. which thing for the in like 2012. He exposed all of his Atlanta ops. Like he was talking about Ti and Tiny. Um, he went at well, Ross. Nikki, I feel like he went at Did Nikki. he expose really? the T.I. Tiny stuff what? that came out recently? Mm. Or was it different? I think it was different. Mm. He was just on a rampage. Just, I bet you those would sell really well. They would. They would. Kanye's rants over the years. It'd be like a clawing party for it. Well, let's it. see. Where's, go where's ahead cool and pants. So go ahead and mint them then yeah. and see if you can get money and they don't come after you. Twitter won't come after me for selling something that was put on their platform that they might own. Other people have sold tweets. True. I don't know. Try it. You be yeah, the guinea we'll pig. See. Yeah, I'll be the guinea pig. I'll get sued for us <laughs> all. But use your use one of your names, one of your internet names, not the one, one you my use for aliases. production, not the yeah, music no, 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 production, no, no, no. but a different one. Should we for bring sure. Virgil into the space? Speaking of creating value and 
His legacy. Yes. We didn't do a show last week. And so, yeah, just want to give some honor to Virgil Abloh, who was a creative director for Louis Vuitton and who was a collaborator and who is an innovator and who is a young um, African human in, in a creative space um, and just his ability to bring forth uh, to new generations, some great ideas, you know. Um, yeah, let's give him, you know, some ashe. Ashe. Yeah, definitely. Uh, rest in peace. For sure. They had his services today. Lauren mm. Hill performed. They had like all different wow. types of shots of uh, Kanye and Rihanna and uh, who else? All you know, all of his friends, ASAP Rocky, Tyler the Creator spoke. So that was huge. All them in that same space. It's been a while with all those people in the same space. So mm. I thought that was interesting. What 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 was it a like a, a was I it, it was a gallery funeral. or it was his funeral services? But I mean, where was it held? I'm not sure. Mm. I mean, like what type of space did it look like? It looked like a church. Oh, okay, okay. So it was kind of traditional church. Somewhat. I think I saw some art in the back. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's beautiful when people do come together. Um, I do hope that his energy and spirit, um, you know, could continue to help the community, you know, come together in that type of way. Because it feels like that's much needed, you know? Yeah. Like yeah. That in this moment. Shout out Wanex. Yeah, he was the uh, he was the creator of Off White, which a lot of people were saying they were hoping that the value of Off White would go up, and it did immediately. The shoes, the the jackets, the apparel,s and even the things, the items he did with IKEA. Um, he created a lot of different couches, tables, a lot wow. of different things. He did a lot of co- lot of different collabs. He created a lot of babies. Virgil did, like as far as like cross uh what do you call a cross collapse between different corporations yeah a lot of cool stuff so yeah for sure and that's p groove there um says he uh was the founder of um off-white yeah i mean that's a really rich career to have um in the streetwear like high-end streetwear yeah Mm -hmm. space um because too i mean for what 30 years it's been dominated by skater boys like the white boys yep um the rich white boys yep right the skater boys um trust fund babies trust fund babies right um who have basically been the gatekeepers of that space forever mm-hmm. um you know that's your complex magazine that's your hype beast mm-hmm. you know all these, you know, even even Fader, you know, I mean, yeah. all these spaces where um, white men get to dominate and say, you know, um, what you should be buying, what you should be thinking, you know. And so for him to have, uh, let me use the word, 
penetrated that space. I don't know another word. Sorry. <laughs> but, and, um, and transcended it for sure. Like yeah. you just yeah. said, I mean, he was a lot of people were laughing at the fact that he was saying that he wanted to make hoodies high fashion. Do you remember that, Deja? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, I mean, he literally did. Like he literally made hoodies, all the like urban streetwear from Rock uh, Rockefeller, Sean John. Shout out, her Diddy was trying to rebuy uh, Sean John too. For, no, wow. Yeah. So, but yeah, when you think about that whole era and Piper, you know him more than you know we do, but you know that's what Virgil did. He made that type of streetwear very high fashion. You know, so I don't know, cool stuff. Yeah, I feel like. Um... You know, we, you know, just giving honor to his life and um, and his legacy and, you know, send his family a lot of love. I mean, he battled cancer Mm. um, and, you know, it's just um, it's painful to see that someone um, had to deal with and struggle through such a, a violent um illness mm. so just um he's at rest and yeah just um ashe 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 speaking of ashe's pipe do you want to bring nick cannon's son into the oh room? nick cannon lost his son today um his son's name is zen he's just a little baby um so just um just want to give a little ashe to um to little baby zen's legacy the little time that he was here so precious oh just um, and poor nick cannon right where he goes onto a show he works so much and he kind of shares a little insight about the weekend and the time he spent with his son and how he basically spent the last his last moments with his son before he passed. So mm. it was oh, he broke wow. down like on national TV, which was it made me cry. And I'm don't cry a lot, but that was that was very very uh, heartfelt that moment. Yeah, I um, it's I mean his son had brain cancer. Um, I mean man, I mean a brain tumor. Sorry, brain tumor. Mm-hmm. Um. Poor little baby. I know. Just got here and so much to deal with. Um, and our creator just brought his little soul back. Um, so, yeah, and sending so much love to his mother. I'm sure she's grieving. And every, you know, their entire family, I'm sure they're grieving right now. That's, um, oh. Yes. Speaking of families grieving you want to bring the Oxford families into the room oh my goodness right first of all um definitely sending a lot of love um to the all the families who lost their children um who just went to school one day they just went to high school and then their life was ripped from them from a young person who it appears has been encouraged by his parents to do so. Um, I guess I'm supposed to say allegedly, but I mean, we all saw, I mean, if y'all saw the same thing I saw, for sure, you saw um, the, the mother had the text message, like 
with the LOL in it. Like, uh, what was her text message that it said something like, um, he was, you know, saying that he had the gun and he was going to shoot the kids. And she was like, oh, don't get caught or whatever. LOL. But, um, mm-hmm. I mean, this is like stuff that was coming out in court. Mm-hmm. And um, I guess his father, you know, I'm unsure right now because some reports I saw said that his father bought the gun for him. That's what I was going to yeah, say. Yeah, he did. Yeah. And then other reports I saw said that the father bought the gun and then the kid, Ethan, took it. Yeah. So well, I'm, not, I'm not sure which. He, he posted, this is my new... This is my new baby. This, my Christmas gift. Mm-hmm. I, I'm I'm pretty sure they purchased it for him for Christmas. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm, yeah, I'm pretty sure they did. So For Christmas? Yeah. No, the or dad bought Christmas. it at Black Friday. Well, yeah, it was an early, early Christmas. Christmas. Yeah. Early Christmas yeah. present. The fact what? is they're just, like uh, they're facilitating. Yeah, allowing you're getting your enabling the weapon that kills humans. Like that like those weapons are designed for human kills. Like that's their whole dis- their whole purpose is human kills. Mm-hmm. And you're giving a 15-year-old a weapon that kills humans knowing he's not all there. Yeah. Yeah, he was looking up bullets online. He um did a uh what was it the social media that he was going to do it. They found his, the, what was it, like that day, like three hours before it happened, the parents were called in. In the, the I guess they said administrator's office. Yep. Um, you know. Uh, they, they refused to take the kid home, apparently. Yeah, they refused to take him home. Yeah. Oh my what? God. Yeah. Wouldn't you call Child Protective Services at that point? Like, what do you mean you're not taking your child home and he's not allowed to be in this building anymore? What? There was some disruption, right. and the the parents were called in, and I, I heard this on NPR, and then they refused to take the boy home, and he ended up staying at the school. Wow. And I'm like, wow, bad policy right there. Man. And I guess, well. <laughs> let, let one of our mamas not want to take us home. Oh, come on now. Police everybody up there at the school immediately. Yeah. For what? Parents getting arrested immediately. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess also... All to teach us a lesson, maybe, in their minds, but they just let this little kid just... Oh, I see Bryce. Bryce is in the building. Um, That's Detroit Recordings. Bryce Bryce Detroit is Detroit Recordings. Bryce has been on here before. Bryce, you got to come back. Hmm. Yeah, we'll have to bring Bryce back 2022. Come back, come back. For an update. Um... And I want to get P P Groove on here. He's P ducking me. Um, but yeah, so I mean, they showed. I don't know what what is that? A, 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 it wasn't a trial, was it? It was just a a hearing. Pre-trial? The pretrial? Oh, hearing. Just a hearing, right? What was what? I get confused. All these. Uh, I think it was a hearing. Okay. okay. I don't know. Don't quote me. Well, they're trying to figure stuff out. They're trying to figure stuff out. Right. And um, the mother was on there, had the nerve to be crying. Did you see no. it? No, I didn't see that. <laughs> Bo- not boo-hoo. Oh, man. She not was crying boo-hoo. like a newborn baby. Like <laughs> The judge was like, you're going to go away for a long time, boo. Do you understand? She was like, <laughs> And the attorney, the attorney was so, forgive my French, ghetto. The, her attorney is so ghetto. Wow. This white lady... 
with the way she was talking in court, it was the most unprofessional way that I've ever seen anyone. She was speaking like, um, as if she never went to law school. Like, oh, wow. it's like, you know, like when you would see like, like Rodney Dangerfield or something. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. She was just goofy. And then it was like, the judge was like, yeah, you know, you were supposed to like, you know, show up and this and that. She had these excuses, like the dog ate my homework. Oh, you no. know, I didn't come because, you know, I didn't know and all this other stuff. You know what I'm saying? Like, um, it was so dumb. Like, wow. <laughs> the, like her attorney was the worst. Super her attorney was the worst. Oh, Mama and G is in the building listening. Shouts out to Mama and G, a big G, uh, Mama G, matriarch of yes. Detroit culture she has to come back on the show too yeah mom and g was on the show she yeah, got to come back give episode. us an update 2022 yeah but i mean if you guys go back and watch the mom has the nerve when the judge was like handing stuff down and then and i'm telling you like whoever that attorney is like that's defending i mean thank goodness they have a terrible attorney but the attorney that's defending them is like the worst attorney ever. Oh no! It's got to be somebody's cousin. Like I know she's oh, somebody's no. court appointed. She's somebody's play cousin. Oh no! Like that's somebody's play cousin. You know, really? like when they're like, oh, <laughs> you know, when they're like, oh, my play cousin took took a, uh, the certificate <laughs> on YouTube, <laughs> the legal. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, what is she talking? Like she doesn't. She didn't know what she was talking about. Like she didn't show up for the stuff that she didn't file. Was she was supposed to file like she was wow i was like i mean but thank goodness you know the creator right. knows that's right. the type of attorney that that they need because they need to get locked up you know and that's me as an abolitionist saying they need to get locked up <laughs> yeah. but um well, i want to know I, I gotta look up the articles that show the chronological order of when the school started hearing about the threats right and they sent out the letters the administrators sent out the letters they had little meetings like and then from the kids knowing the day before not to show up to school because they knew something was going to happen on that day. Like, where does the administration, similar to the Travis Scott situation on the pie chart, where what what percentage is the administration's blame, right? The school district's blame right. to still have school. You knew about it. You well, know? I mean, hindsight's twenty twenty. It is difficult. Um, and one once it happened, they said they got a lot of like copycat threats and they I think if I'm not mistaken Wallet like Central today like eight kids got I don't know if the word is arrested detained or mm. you know are not allowed to come back to school or got in trouble you know legally I'm, I don't know exactly what happened to them but um, just for threatening to do the same thing right mm -hmm. and um, so it is difficult to um Manu you know like just try to figure out like oh okay well they said they were gonna blow up the school um but you let him walk back in the but school these are, yeah like these the are kids acts you tried of, to kick out right these are acts of terror oh man like, yeah even even just saying that you're gonna do that that's an act of terror right it when, is when, when, are, when are when are when when it when is the system gonna take that seriously do you know what i mean like we have how many hundreds of like shootings every year like if somebody says I'm going to shoot up the school or I own a gun and I want to hurt people, like how is that not considered instantly an act of terror? We're going to like drill you now. I'll like, tell you why it's you know a slippery I mean? slope like, because this is where it gets crazy. a slippery slope. Um, I mean, I hate to say when you're dealing with kids, but when you're dealing with kids, mm -hmm. a lot of 
times kids do say of course they do. wild of course, <laughs> off the of wall course. stuff especially you know dealing right. with emotions and stuff so but that's what i mean like yeah like how do you like how do you determine but that should be this is the time right but shouldn't that shouldn't that be your first your first step should be like we we need to take this seriously we now move into investigation mode are there guns at home? Does this child have access to weapons? Is this a real threat? Um, look inside. Like the policy is, we have to look inside your um, your locker every day, every day, and every like you know what I mean. Yeah, every single sure. day, like every single day, we go to your locker, we unlock it to see what you've got. We like pat you down every single day. If 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 that's for three months, whatever, that's the policy. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Like, when Someone are you going to investigate? Someone said that they had the metal detectors in the wrong schools. Yeah, right. yeah. You know Mom always says that. Yeah, it's but crazy. I guess also too, it's difficult. It's difficult because you're also dealing with uh, people's well, well, people's freedom, right? Like, sure. you know, people's rights. Quote I mean, unquote, quote unquote, right? So it's interesting okay. that if you come to the hood, if you will. Yeah. There's all types of measures um, used against people in, for nothing. You know, in our schools. Yep. Even to, in the fast uh, food restaurants, or the even in a, even in the the gas stations, Little fast things. food restaurants. Right. Yeah. Little there's all things. types of measures. Um, yeah. And at the same time, I'm going to be honest with you. Like, I personally am not comfortable with. Um, like authorities like you know mandating things or like you know authorities trying to regulate um and and that's only being a black person person of color that's always experienced that in a negative way i've never seen it work um but yeah like uh like what do you do so let's say um that one kid right you're following that kid Right. And then if the policy is like three months, then he knows like, okay, well, in three months, I'll just bring my gun. Or if it's or if it's, you know, every single day, like what if, you know, how do you catch? You know what I mean? Like he's he said he was going to do it. But then, you know, I just what are the other instances from the kids who who you can't catch who, you know, didn't say they were going to do it. So how do you like. But I look at it. How do you manage you that right, threat? I, you need to be expelled from but, school. But I look it's, at it. Yeah, I look at it like that. We have what, like ninety-one um, black girls, girls of color, in the state of New York, expelled for speaking loudly or some oh, sort yeah. of stupid shit in like what, like two thousand and eighteen or two thousand nineteen. Oh yeah, right. Where there Beat were like no by the security guard. Right. Where there were like no like white children who had more egregious. Like yeah. things that they did were never expelled, right? So you know what I mean? And we, we know that's the, the school to prison pipeline. Yeah. And that like kids are expelled from preschool, from preschool because they have brown skin yeah. and they're like whatever, doing whatever. Yeah. You know what I mean? Treated like, as criminals. Treated as criminals. Funneled so te- into the system. Right, right. So you're telling me that like we can expel like brown skin kids 
for speaking loud or not having homework or all the stupid shit that or they talking use, back, talking back, everything, mm-hmm. all the stupid shit, or being a being a five year old and crying loudly. Oh, oh, have the wrong uniform, right? Or not right. have yes, your yes, uniform? Yes, all the things. Mm-hmm. But you're not going to expel a kid who has access to weapons and yeah. has threatened to do harm. Oh yeah, Excuse I'm going to kill everybody I in have here. A problem with that, right? And expel the yeah. kid mm-hmm. as soon as that threat. That's a real threat. That is yeah. like a threat. Like, and, a, but I, then what like, happens, right? So let's say so. So so then okay so he's expelled. Yeah. So now he can just come up to the school and kill everybody. So how like what's the They have a on process. Duty, they had an on-duty police officer inside that school just in general, right? So the mm-hmm. process is is that until it you know the heat let the heat die down, you only allow one entrance to into the school, right? And you only you lock all the other doors. Yep. You, you can't have, do that. You well, okay. you have to have multiple. So then now you have security exits. guards, no, right? Lock, and building you personnel. Coming in. You, yeah. can, you can leave, but you can't come in. Correct. And then you make one entrance, and then you have the on duty police officer at and that tool, entrance. Yeah, at that entrance. Yep. And that becomes a problem. Then if his parents are coming up to the school, still trying to get him in, that's when they're trespassing because you've already expelled him, and then you arrest the parents. But you're talking about like one kid. Right. Of but he has threat. He okay. I know, but that's a. I mean, my point is Kids like were scared, that's just right. Kids were scared. They knew not to come to school that day. Yeah, some. This is escalated. This was beyond one this kid is, making yeah, this a threat. Is like this is like a kid who obviously is a problem kid. He's mm-hmm. had, he has a record of problems. He has a record of issues. They called the parents because they knew that there's a record. There's there's a problem here. There's like a a consistent problem. And the parents are so fed up with their kid. They didn't want to take him home. That is like. Do you know what I mean? Like this is a pattern. There's a pattern and nobody wanted to address the pattern. Agreed. And that's the problem. If you don't want to address the problem, well, like, do you know what I mean? A pattern, then this is what happens. Do you know what I mean? Like, it, how do you not see a pattern and not do something? Yeah. To I mean, I guess the larger body. Yeah. Like, but I guess also, too, to how do kids. you. Yeah. But I guess, like, also, too, how do you follow that up? So let's say, like, like, OK, so they catch him one day. You see what I mean? So, so okay, so they catch him one day that he did a threat, and it's like, okay, you can't come back to school. But then what about the next day? When, once he's expelled. Yeah, once he's expelled, he's not coming back. He can't get in. No, no, but he can come up to the school. Yeah, that's what we said. We, school, we secu- then, you secure all the other doors. They already have yeah. the doors numbered. You have yeah, but that's the— what I'm saying is that's just the have, doors, but now you have right? A res- but now you have a restraining order policy, Correct. right? You have a restraining order. You're supposed to stay away. Now a judge gets involved. Correct. And if you come in within certain yards of that school, your parents also get charged with that oh, restraining order Correct. situation. That's why those parents are getting charged now yeah. because they're, well, let's hope that they're trying to teach everyone a lesson like you have to take responsibility for your kids if you're you know there's weapons and this and that but what i will say is it's not guaranteed that if you have a restraining order that people follow the restraining order of course they don't but it's something that's a measure it's at least a measure nothing Mm -hmm. is security proof right nothing you do in that situation if you put a freaking hub over the school somebody can burst through the glass of it right nothing's fully proof but you do put a process in place to at least attempt. And that's where the issue becomes. There was no attempt to that's be more secure. Exactly. You know, yeah. exactly. Yeah, to no, I'm with, I'm with you on that. I'm with you on that. But I, I, I guess I'm also thinking of it like, you know, um, it's 
America is such a violent place. It's like brutal. it's rooted yeah, in violence. Sure. The history is of the country is a violent history. Super violent. And genocide, slavery. Genocide, slavery, and the now entire we just culture. Put guns in everybody's hands. You know it's just mean? so violent it's and violent. all the entertainment is so violent. I mean, I know everyone gets upset when we talk about um you know blaming films and TV music. and music, but I mean the uh, there's no option like pretty much 99.9% of what's out there is violent mm-hmm. or in some form or fashion yeah yeah and um yeah i don't know uh yeah i don't know to be continued that's going to be as they made their way to, to detroit continued. right we'll just leave it <laughs> off with they made their way to detroit the parents did right Oh, let's let's just get into that real quick. They said it was what they said it was a suburb of Detroit. It was like forty miles. That's so from annoying Detroit. that they're doing that oh. too. I must say, right, right outside. That's Detroit like an nationally, hour. Do you right? know why they're trying to do that? Oh, because sure. it was a shooting. Yeah. yeah, because they're like, oh, Detroit is so violent. It's yeah. so like yeah. you know, it's brown people. It's so criminal. Blah blah blah. It's like you know what? Just end the segregation bullshit. I'm like, and when like, have they ever talked about anything outside of Detroit and then them say? Just be the right outside Detroit. Never, right? Yeah, because no one knows where Oxford, Michigan is. Correct. They never heard of it. I never heard of it. Never heard of it. But they were like, they're they're attaching Detroit to us systematically. Let's be clear. That's the problem. Like, I'm like, like, why don't you just call it the white suburbs? It's the white suburbs. Why don't you just call it that? Yeah. It's it's further than the suburbs, though. Yes, near Metamore. It's, it's, it's further than it says. Like, like it's, it's like calling Ann Arbor a suburb or a uh, 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 Saginaw. But if like, we it's like around just there, far. Still gonna things pull no over. one knows about if you're not from there. <laughs> like, yeah, it's we're like, still getting pulled over. It should be far as oh, hell man. from. It should. They should have said this is far you as know? hell from Detroit, and it's all white people, and there's really no it's black country. people. It's, it's just country. 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 That's it's what I'm country. saying. Saginaw. Like, talk about it. Like, far out. This is well. You know what's interesting too that the family or the parents they ran to the east side of detroit <laughs> to some artist's house no. right and yeah, the artist sure. mm-hmm. was a muralist what? yes and he um did a mural in oxford but he but when the police questioned him he claimed that he he didn't even um, know that they were there is what that's he what said. he said he said he didn't know they were there but how coincidental is it that he did this mural in Oxford though? Right, and he must have had a relationship with them. Yeah, I no, because so. how friends, would they know to go to his them. loft? Yeah, no, or no, whatever. no. He did Studio. business with the mom at one point. She used someone in the art world, and that's how that connection happened. What a disaster! <laughs> right, it's just a disaster all the she way around. Terrible, like, it all is. of it. It's just horrible. But what what's interesting is, is I wonder how the police found them there. Maybe GPS tracking. They said someone turned someone uh, saw their license the plate. Yeah. Oh. Recognize the car and the ladder, the parking lot. But wow, the another rumor. This is a really. But oh, and they're gonna get the ten Gs. They're gonna get the artist is gonna get the ten Gs. I bet you she called him, and I'm just I don't know. Set him up. No, the person. I bet you she called him. I thought I thought the artist was the one who dropped the tip. No, it's somebody no. different. No, yeah, someone... someone saw their car at his residence. Correct. So They're how does that studio. person know? They saw the license you, plate. No, no, no. Listen. Where the vehicle? How do you know what car? does and doesn't belong 
And what license plate? How would you know something I, like that? I you really wouldn't know, know what license plate, but you know when a car is there and when it shouldn't be there. And especially if it's an Maybe. art studio, it probably wouldn't be frequented as much. Maybe. And then I have to see what it looks like. suspicious you know, car that's there on the people, run. There are people who are in Detroit. There are people, think of the community, like neighborhood watch. watch. Neighborhood oh, watch. yeah. They're These white man. folks are nosy. They're hardcore. They are. They're binoculars. They what are. used to be my grandparents always worried about <laughs> what everybody <laughs> else is doing. I'm like, Granny, I had people come up to me in the, the street like are you moving in now are you moving in like where, where are you from like all of that yeah they they said, all peep they, all they said yeah. they were trying to get smuggled to canada believe it or not wow. i don't know if that's the truth but that that i believe it that's, i do too they don't they wasn't gonna make they it they into canada vaccinated i was just about to say they well, don't no, no, no. look vaccinated i smuggle right there's dirty apparently people here that know how to smuggle people into canada i guess yeah, yeah. i We're, mean they do have those detroit tunnels tra- from canada drive and detroit is a trafficking capital so it's yeah. easy to get through yeah mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. true mm-hmm. unfortunately mm-hmm. The fact that they know We're people like who can highway. smuggle them in. Yep. And that wild. That's terrifying. How about that? That's terrifying. How about that? I don't yeah. know anyone that can smuggle anyone anywhere. Let's be clear. I don't either. <laughs> Me either. Look, look, we I don't know any I'm smugglers. They know. I don't know any smugglers. <laughs> no smugglers. No smuggles. <laughs> that was my oh first my time goodness. hearing of anything like that. That is crazy. It's crazy. But you know what? But it it you know what? It speaks to the whole irresponsible parenting. Mm. If you're if you lean into those types of things in your world in your mm. life, mm. like of course you're going to be like a lax parent, hands off, not that not that. Yeah, you know, get involved. your kid, get like, your get your kid a gun, a child a cool. gun. You want to take like, it to school? Go show idiot, your friends. Making, right, making the stupidest decisions for yeah. your child. Of course. Oh my God! Makes sense. Let's I just, just swore. I'm so sorry. I got excited. I apologize. No, no you good. Brittany sorry. swears all the time. Oh, does she? Oh, oh, God, oh my God, Piper. <laughs> Potty and mouth. I do too. It's, it's okay. <laughs> what did Q-Tip much. say? He curses to help get his point across. Yeah. <laughs> Jazz, we've got. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, um, yeah, we've talked. We've yapped. I will say this. I do want to. We have one more. Um, Ashe. So, our beloved brother, Bryce, father, made his transition. Mm. And his dad was so awesome. What a wonderful human. Um, I had the honor and the pleasure and the privilege of knowing him, of loving him, of being loved by him. And really appreciate um, his spirit, really appreciate his wisdom and his strength and being a part of the community, the arts community, the music community in Detroit. And um, I want to send our beloved brother Bryce and his brother Sage, his mom, as well as his sister's. Um, and and his children, his whole family, just um, a lot of love in this time. Um, yeah, that is a lot to um, see your parent transcend into the ancestor realm. Mm. Um, and Bryce is an ancestor worshiper, so I know that he knows that his father has ascended upon his throne 
in the afterlife and in paradise. So, um, but just wanted to um, call his name um, Baba Wilbert Franklin Small Jr. So I wanted to give an ashe. Ashe. Yeah, and um, much gratitude for your spirit and your presence. So, yeah. So we can end there. Um, I would love to, let's go around. Pilar, you go first. Give us um, just like some encouraging words for the people and also, again, how folks can contact you. Okay. So um, I just want to say thank you so much for having me. Um, I'm super grateful. And I hope that everyone finds moments of gratitude um, in their in their lives um, here and there or as much as possible. It really, I find that gratitude um, helps us be present. So um, when you want really want to be present in your life, um, gratitude really helps center that. Um, you can find me at Pilar Cote across um, everything. And I do want to also mention that I have... Um, a show that I'm curating for it's it's in alignment with the United Nations 16 Days to End Violence Against Women and Girls. Um, it's an art show coming up, um, launching on the 9th, and uh, it'll be up for in the metaverse um, in spatial for about a mm. month and two weeks. So yeah, artworks that um, you know from women of color and women that uh, center that cause. Yeah, that's great. So yeah. dope. Mm-hmm. What about you, Deja? My words? Um, I don't know. I'm kind of at a blank. Pilar just took it right out of my mouth. It's usually mine is just to stay grateful. So I'm just going to let her have that perfect moment. She said it so eloquently. Nice. Brittany? Um, I would say that um, we spoke about it when mentioning Virgil. Uh, always leave a little space. You don't know where what people are going through, right? Always, yeah. uh, uh, I want to also bring in value in that too, right? Find different ways to create value and to see value. And then I always say, again, leave space for never knowing what people are completely going through. So, mm. Yeah, for me, I'm going to say I'm very grateful. I'm grateful that for you, Pilar is my friend. I'm so grateful you're my brilliant, beautiful friend. And I love you, too. And I'm so excited that you're going to be joining us to help us understand NFTs. I'm excited about your show that's going to center the crypto uh, world, crypto (laughs) art and crypto curiousness and all of that. And, um, you know, I'm very grateful for you, Deja, and the music that you shared with us today. It's super dope. I'm very grateful to get to see your growth and evolution as a producer. It's really sweet. And I'm glad you share your music with us here on our platform. And then we get a chance to share your music with the world. And I'm very grateful for you, Brittany, because you are a champion and a wonderful producer and you continue to strive for excellence and you are a winner. I always tell you you're a winner. <laughs> so I'm just, and I'm grateful that you're on our side. And I'm glad that all of y'all are on the side of the Jedi. Hey. Mm. So hey. glad that all these 
amazing uh, people here and grateful to Kari for this space, our illustrious proprietor of Detroit is Different and grateful to all the listeners that we've had today. The chat has been much more lit up. I see a lot of love in the chat from our from all of our family, you know, Um, so grateful to everyone who joined us in the chat and just want to ask everyone, of course, to visit DetroitIsDifferent.net to listen to all of the podcasts that are on the platform and to visit us on our social media. We are on Instagram and that is Piper Carter podcast. We are also on Facebook and I created a Facebook group for us to continue with people who would like to continue this conversation on um, Piper Carter podcast and like share and subscribe. We are on all streaming platforms, including Spotify, iHeartRadio, Apple podcast, and now we're on YouTube live and we're doing video. So just let your friends know, tune into the Piper Carter podcast and also interact with us on our Facebook group and let us know what you would like us to talk about and we will incorporate it. And we're always looking for uh, interesting guests. So hit us up if you're an interesting person. No misogyny. <laughs> no misogyny. And other than that, just want everyone to have a beautiful and wonderful week until we see you next week. Peace. Tune in weekly to the Piper Carter podcast with Piper Carter for a conscious take on music, arts, politics, and fashion. The founder of We Found Hip Hop has a say on what you should know about culture with a balanced conscience.